Welcome to Cooperatively Speaking, a podcast by ENI Cooperative Services, the only member-owned, nonprofit procurement cooperative focused exclusively on education. Each episode, we discuss the topics most important to procurement and end users at schools and universities. Hey, hi everyone, and welcome to ENI's Cooperatively Speaking. Today, I'm here with uh, my partner in crime, David Mance. Hi, David. How you doing? Saul Alvarado, it is great to be here, and I, I love talking about facility stuff. I do. It's exciting. This has been an interesting year, Saul. Uh, we have gone through amazing transition, and one thing that's remained constant has been the need for good indoor air quality, IAQ. And it's been a topic for many, many years, and COVID really exposed that. It, it really showed people some of the deficiencies and weaknesses and really the lack of concern for it. And now, especially this summer, every facility in the world is going to be discussing how to clean their air better. And so we brought in Kirk Stewart from Sunbelt Rentals. He's the national product manager into our conversation. How are you, Kirk? I'm doing well, and thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, it's it's a pleasure. Uh, I'd love for you to give us just a minute or two of who you are, what you're about. I think you're dynamic in this field and are absolutely an influencer in this indoor air quality topic. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, sure. So, uh, so like uh, like many of the uh, the listeners on this show, I would imagine I come from a restoration background originally. I've been an owner of uh, several restoration companies over the last twenty years, um, working in the areas of dehumidification and indoor air quality, pretty much everything that goes right along with the uh, the restoration industry in this country. Since then, I have uh, been with Sunbelt Rentals as a product manager for about four years, and have worked in. Uh, the uh, climate control division specifically, but also with the overall uh, Sunbelt efforts in the world of indoor air quality. And as you said, COVID's done nothing else for us. It has created a tremendous awareness of indoor air quality and how important it is. And we here at Sunbelt Rentals are listening to that and putting a focus on it as well. Yeah, very, very well put. Uh, it, it's hard to find a silver lining with the, all the stuff that we've gone through. However, sometimes there are positive benefits and this very conversation is one of those. And there's three main topics that we're going to discuss today. And one is supply chain. Very, very important. Number two is that idea of what do I do? Do I buy a bunch of product, use capital expenses, or do I rent? Is there a mix? And then lastly, what types of machines are out there and sort of how to choose through all the noise. And with that first one I mentioned with supply chain, we're seeing a dynamic situation around the world right now with the availability of everything from computer chips to raw materials, the cost of lumber, uh, and, and the demand is high and, and there are a lot of shortages. This is where you live every day for Sunbelt and uh, as a national product manager. What are you seeing in the world, in the industry? And then tell us some best practices, what to expect and maybe how do we prepare for summer now and what you've seen people do as a success? Sure, sure. Well, just, just kind of taking a step back and looking at the past year, you're right. The, the supply chain issues started uh, in the beginning of the pandemic, probably most directly with things like factory closings, um, individuals not being able to come to work, um, facilities not being able to produce at the same rate that we are used to with our, of course, global supply chain that we all live in. And unfortunately, that just had trickle-down effects, right? Uh, you could probably directly track 
you know, all the way since uh, maybe February last year when it all kind of broke out all the way until the present time and seen really shortages of just everything. I think of the national news with auto manufacturers talking about chip shortages. I think of your your reference point of lumber. I think we all realize it's a bad time to build a deck. Um, <laughs> lumber prices have really skyrocketed. And of course, we've seen the same thing. The industry as a whole relied on relatively few manufacturers for things like uh, indoor air quality equipment, specifically air scrubbers, negative air machines, things like that. And when those manufacturers get backed up, we all just get in a line. And that's really what happened. And it has continued to happen even until today. We could expand on that and go into the, uh, you know, kind of separate ourselves from equipment and just talk about things like something as simple as a HEPA filter. Uh, if you'd have told me prior to last year that that I would ever have trouble getting HEPA filters when I needed them, I, I'd say you were crazy. I, I would have suppliers, you know, calling me saying, hey, you're ready to order thousands. But uh, nowadays, a lot of it is getting in line. A lot of it is doing a lot of pre-prepared work, understanding what the need's going to be. Here in this, this country, we're dealing with the upcoming, I used to call it the California fire season. Now I call it the West Coast fire season, where things like natural disasters really set the stage for the shortage problem to become even worse, especially when you're talking about a localized area like, uh, you know, the West Coast of, uh, of the U.S., where fires broke out last year just, just almost nonstop. Now, we have taken some actions, and I'm sure everyone else has too, to try and pre-order things, pre-position existing equipment, make sure that we have the logistical capability to respond as we always want to at a moment's notice. But yeah, it's been much more of a challenge this year than in years past. So I'll ask you a question. You all have to prepare to have product available for rent, right? That's your entire business model. If you don't have it, you can't rent it. You can't make money. What have you all done in preparation and anticipation of some of these shortages? And what best practices might a facilities director or a school district copy from what you all are doing and seeing for their school opening? There's going to be a record number of students in seats during this summer than ever before across the country. Kids are getting caught back up from being out of school or unschooled. And so that's gonna also create an additional challenge doing this work in and around students and people in the buildings. But what have you all done in preparation to get product? Absolutely. We, uh, we I just heard this morning that I believe the largest school district in the country has now said they're gonna be back live, 100% in in-person classes. So I imagine almost everybody else will kind of follow suit. It's a challenge. It really is. Now we have, or maybe I have the kind of a long tenure in this world. I think it all starts with changing the way you think. One good thing of coming out of the restoration industry is you just learn to operate 24 seven. You, you learn to think that way. Rarely do people call and say, hey, I might have an emergency a month from now. Can we get ready? That's just not the way it works. You know, everybody calls at 630 on Friday afternoon and says, okay, Let's go. I'm ready. I need you. And that's okay. We understand that. It, it just kind of goes hand in hand with the world of indoor air quality, just as it would with restoration. Taking actions like making sure your suppliers are receiving their orders, right? And th this goes well beyond a month. I mean, this is months and months in the preparation. We started preparing for the wildfire season more than six months ago, simply because we recognized that it was going to be an issue. And there was a long runway to try and make sure that we get uh, get all of our in a row, but we have pre-positioned just a tremendous amount of equipment in those traditional areas that uh, that simply, you know, burn. 
very often the areas where uh, where wildfires have existed in the past, and also with the current drought conditions, you know that extends well up into the uh, into Oregon State and Washington areas that just normally wouldn't really be on our radar screen. Now they are, along with some of our larger customer groups, they are also being proactive. They're reaching out to us and kind of saying, look, what's your plan? What is going to be available when the call comes in or when I need you? Um, how much gear is positioned? Are we ready for multiple filter changes? With fire season specifically, it kind of ends up being the whack-a-mole, right? You got a fire here and they'll deal with it for a week or uh, 10 days or so, and then another fire will pop up somewhere else and then another one. And believe it or not, based on last year, we actually had some fires rekindle. So there were some areas that uh, we had customers call. Three weeks later, they called back and said, hey, we need, we need either more gear or we need you to return the gear you've already picked up because we've got a new fire that's burning in our vicinity. The wind patterns have changed and now uh, we're inundated with smoke in a major metropolitan area. So quick question on some of what you shared and, and, and thank you for that insight. Amazing for you to take us into, you know, behind the scenes, some of what you deal with and how you handle that and, and you and your teammates and how um, Sunbelt uh, handles some of this. Uh, you've had the benefit, you know, when it comes to fire season, like you said, it was California, now it's the West Coast, right? So you've had the benefit of, you know, prepping for this for a couple of years. And so and in anticipation of that, it looks like you all have a, a pretty good plan of how to prepare for that. You, you just shared, hey, look, we were preparing six months ago for this. We know what to prepare for. As it relates to indoor air quality and COVID specifically, and I know it's kind of early, it's one year, but what do you guys see moving forward? Have you guys looked around the corner and say, hey, look, moving forward, this whole area of indoor quality is going to change and, and we need to get ready for X, Y, Z. And, and do you have some of that already uh, that you guys are looking at or, or what does that look like for in your world? Yeah, a absolutely. So one of the catalysts to to really bring Sunbelt into the world of indoor air quality for health reasons. And I always like to distinguish the difference between, you know, the traditional IAQ, the mitigation part, right? The the wildfire smoke, the mold remediation, the asbestos remediation. And and I could go through a laundry list of of more traditional indoor air quality ideas. But now that we have a health concern, believe it or not, it was actually the measles outbreak that happened in New York City a few years ago that kind of gave us a trigger, gave me personally a trigger to say, wow, man, that is a real thing. That's a real incident. I, I was not uh, dramatically familiar with, um, with how measles trans transmits, um, but learned a lot about it and recognize that, okay, you know, this is an indoor air quality issue. And by the way, it kind of goes along with, with a bunch of the other stuff that we're already doing. So again, we, we got ready. We investigated some new lines of equipment that simply weren't widely distributed in the marketplace. And that has moved us all the way through the COVID year, where we clearly understand that although more and more people are vaccinated, what else are we breathing every single day? What, how is my office space conducive to uh, to the air that I'm breathing, to how I'm living my life? That's exactly it. You know, there are numerous studies that are that are out there right now, being that this is the season, showing that uh, the carcinogens that are in wildfire smoke are are dangerous. Not only dangerous in the short term, but these are long term things. These are things that can create health effects years and years from now. Um, so it just kind of brings me to the point of saying. Why don't we get ahead of that? You know, why don't we focus on indoor air quality? And unlike most of the things uh, that are out there in the in the world of Sunbelt, this thing is not seasonal. We have seasonal events, 
But the reality is the room that I'm sitting in right now, the room that you're sitting in right now, I feel a whole lot more comfortable if there's an air scrubber in here. Uh, and that's true for every restaurant I visit. It's true for every uh, conference that I attend. It simply becomes something that I look for, not just because I'm in the business, but also want to understand the response of others. And I'll offer an example there, if you can just bear with me a moment. I had a dental appointment not too long ago. My dentist, very forward thinking, and went ahead and got some air scrubbers and had them in place in all of their areas their cleaning rooms. And I asked the question, I just said, you know, what, what caused you to do that? You know, why'd you do that? That's just an extra expense. You run a small business, you know, maybe you can think about it that way. And, and the response was great. She's a wonderful woman. She responded very clearly and said, Kirk, I care about my customers. I care about my patients. I care about the people that are in this chair because these are my neighbors. These are my friends. These are people that I know I see every single day. You come back every six months. She knows me by name. She knows my kids' names. And it really struck me to say, wow, if she's thinking that way, I wonder how I can convince others that this has value. Uh, and it's one of the reasons I'm attending the show today. Oh, that's amazing, Kirk. And, and David, I mean, think about that. He just shared, I mean, one of my biggest takeaways with that, Kirk, is this is not seasonal. It's an everyday thing. And, and, I, and that's the biggest aha for me. It's like, wow, you're right. This is not seasonal. You could prepare for floods uh, and some of the, some of the fires that you were talking about and other things you know the the winters and the summers and whatnot but this this is not going away and it's an everyday thing in every segment of of industry it doesn't matter where and what type of business uh it it affects them all so that's a big big one for me david i agree it's a relevant topic now obviously because of covid however it really is bigger than that and i think people are catching on to that that we all breathe. We talk about water quality, right? But we we have to breathe. And what we put in our lungs really has an impact on our performance, our health, all of it. And so there was something you mentioned in another conversation we had, Kirk, that I wrote down and I'm going to steal it, but give you credit for it. And you basically said, if it's important, you measure it. Like with our students, right? If, if their education is important, we measure it to see where they are you know, your gas tank, it's really important to know about how much gas you have in your tank. So you measure it in the same way. People ought to do more than just a temperature measurement in their facilities and their buildings to see what the quality of the air is. How do you know if the quality is better or worse with the, the products that you put in? How do you measure that? Is the, the cost beneficial to get that increment, right? What's the goal to get to within that indoor air quality, obviously reducing things like you said, like the carcinogens, mold, all of the things that are in almost every building and every home. There are different types of machines out there. Can you kind of walk us through some of the basics? You talked about scrubbers. There's things that you can put on rooftops. Give us a, just a general idea of what people can use now to make incremental changes and then a little bit about if it's important, measure it. Yeah, sure thing. And it absolutely is very important to measure. I'll, I'll liken it to something as simple as the HVAC system in your home, in, in your office, or wherever you happen to be. Every single one of them is the same. There is a mean monitor on there, and it is going to show you what the temperature is. And then it's going to show you what the temperature is set at, right? And that's simply the way for you to know, hey, my system's working. It's keeping me a nice, comfortable 72 degrees, and everything's working great. Well, the industry, luckily, is moving in that direction, and Sunbelt's part of that. Being able to measure 
indoor air quality, the, the performance of not only your existing HVAC system, but the performance of the, the more portable systems that you might put in, the negative air setups that you might be designing for your solutions, all of that has value. Now, indoor air quality um, usually has to take a couple of different measurements to really kind of get a big picture. There's no silver bullet. Like there's no one thing that really tells me, yep, everything's working exactly as I wanted it to work. So you start off with something as simple as a particulate counter, right? Particulate counters have been around forever. Nice little easy devices. You can pay a small amount or a whole lot, depending on which, uh, which brand and all the bells and whistles you want to you get on there. But they all relatively do the same thing, right? Measure the particulates in the air of a given size. We like the idea of having that technology built into machines, right? Built into the air quality gear that are in your space. Now that can be done on something like an air scrubber, right? Something on an air scrubber that you would call me and say, Kurt, I need to rent an air scrubber and I want to make sure that you give me one with a particulate counter built into it. It can be done through, um, through a more holistic way. Your monitors in your building or as part of your HVAC system. There's several manufacturers out there that are doing uh, incorporating that technology into existing systems and standalone systems. And then there are other ways that you can kind of measure and get a good perspective of how good the indoor air quality is. So there's no silver bullet, but there are things like measuring the CO2. It's been shown in several different studies, especially some recently, that air quality kind of follows the CO2 amounts within any given space. Um, and that kind of makes sense when you think about it. Now, it's not, a, it's not a surefire way to measure things. You can't simply take a number and say, yep, we're spot on because we're uh, at, at that certain level. But it's a good gauge along with things like particulate counters, with things like humidistats, understanding what the temperature and relative humidity in the space. These are all part of, an in, of, a, of a holistic indoor air quality system, right? Having something that can give you several pieces of information to allow you to determine if the existing system is working correctly. And if it's not, what action do I need to take? Do I need to bring in more makeup air to reduce that CO2 level? Do I need to incorporate more machines with HEPA filters to reduce the particle count? You know, there's several different actions you can take, but it all starts with having just a baseline of information. So that's kind of step one. Seems so common sense. And yet we have to be told to do it, right? You know, it, it's funny. It's kind of like your health as well. Um, you know, it's, it's important to exercise and to eat right. Uh, and sometimes we just re need reminders of the really important things. One of the big hurdles into this space, there's a few of them. One is the amount of product that's out there, right? The, all the different kinds. And now Many people are getting into this space because, well, it's it's important and there's money to be made here. With all the CARES Act money flowing into the space, we've seen that they can use those funds, not a lawyer, but what we've seen is many schools have used these funds to pay for upgrading their systems. So there's a cost to purchase, there's a cost to rent, and there's probably a sweet spot between the two. Your world is rental, obviously, but tell us sort of the pros and cons of both and what people should consider when upgrading their systems. Upgrading existing HVAC systems with indoor air quality capabilities can be notoriously difficult. Over the last year, I've had lots of conversations with mechanical contractors about all the different methods that they try to incorporate, things like UVC light built into duct systems, upgrading MER filters, and directing UVC light onto coils, and, and all sorts of other technologies that, that you can incorporate into, uh, into existing buildings. 
they all come with uh, with positives and negatives. I can say something as simple as adding uh, adding upgraded MER filters to existing systems. Well, that works okay until you realize that once you get up above MERV 13 or so, sometimes even lower, you really run into a problem of back pressure on your machines, right? Um, that motor is working way harder than it needs to simply because there is more resistance because you've upgraded your filter. And that's just with MERV 13, much less something like a HEPA, HEPA equivalent, something uh, a little bit higher down the road. I've heard things like, well, we'll just add a bunch of makeup air into our building. Well, anybody who's ever lived in Miami in the summertime realizes that you, you can't add 40% makeup air into the building. You run into all kinds of other problems with humidity and trying to maintain temperature control. So that's why the, uh, the portable offerings, um, the, the, specifically the rental, but also in the areas of purchase, kind of make a lot of sense. And we have had a lot of customers like school systems take advantage of the HEPA or physical barriers using portable air scrubbers in their classrooms to design a indoor air quality system. It's not the only thing they're doing, but it's simply part of an overall solution. And that's how I like to talk to the customers I deal with. When, when people kind of ask me, well, is, is this the best thing since sliced bread? Is, is getting this machine going to make sure that I'm safe and I'm never going to get sick and my kids are never going to get sick? And I say, look, it's just like washing your hands. When you wash your hands, does it mean that you don't need to wipe the countertop? Well, no, you do both. Well, does that mean I don't need to wear a mask? If I know that uh, I have COVID or someone else has COVID, well, no, of course I'm going to have a mask on, right? It's just layers. It's building a sandwich and adding in a bunch of different things that are going to keep you safe. Upgrading existing systems can be part of that. Portable equipment can be part of that. It really comes down to what's the best solution for your application. Very customized. Kirk, what you say is absolutely true. And there's a direct correlation between what you do and what you get out of it. And I get questions every day from members that ask, what is that silver bullet? What's the thing to do? What is everyone doing? And it's all custom. It really is based on your facility size, what the use of it is, right? How long they're there each day? Is it 24 hours or is it just a few hours a day? And all of that plays into the rental versus purchase model as well. Because if you only have students in buildings for a short period of time and not 24 seven, 365, does it make sense to rent and return it or does it make sense to purchase? And, and really that will be a determination you have to uh, figure out. But I think it's a blend of both. We see often people wanting to do the right things and say, let's throw HEPA, MERV 13 filters on everything. And they choke their systems out and they don't get the cycles of air that they previously had and they had unintended consequences or they put in a bunch of portable units and all of a sudden there's ozone issues and issues now with the quality of the air uh, in those facilities. And so measuring it, like you said earlier, bringing in systems and doing a test of what you have will tell you what you need to do. It's obvious with your gas meter on your vehicle. When it gets toward E, you have to put more in. When you measure your air quality and you find out you have mold or you need more cycle times, uh, cycle counts with your air, you know what actions to take and what choices you have available to you. There was one product you mentioned uh, in a previous conversation that I think did some of it, and, and not that I'm pushing a product because I'm not. Obviously, we just said it, it depends on your system. But tell me a little bit about the UV400, because I think you said it had a good mix or at least what to look for in these units when you're trying to put uh, one of these in your space. 
Right. Absolutely. If you'll bear with me just a moment, I would like to, to address a, one of the other points you had in your earlier question. The idea of the rental versus purchase. I like what you said, that there, there, there are available options for both. And you really need to look at your scenario to figure out what's best. One of the things that we've run into a lot of is simply this is new technology. Now, now it's not new technology in the sense that HEPA filtration has been around forever. Uh, traditional air scrubs have been around forever. But the advances in the technology are new. That lends itself to rental, obviously, because with such a large company and such a, a large fleet size, we're able to turn over our equipment much more often than, than your typical um, individual who's making a purchase. So you're always getting the latest and greatest. And then, of course, you can run down the laundry list of the other things that rental, um, the rental world really makes sense. Simple things, simple things like I'll liken it to a, a school superintendent I talked to um, who was thinking about purchasing a thousand units, a thousand portable air scrubbers. And, and I just said, well, you know, if that's what you want to do, that's great. I'll be happy to help you with any technical knowledge if I can help. But um, let me ask you a question. Where are you going to put them after you're done? And, uh, you know, he just didn't have an answer for that. And I've heard that same thing from hospital facility directors, infection control people. We all know that hospital space is at a premium and there's just no place to keep large volumes of portable gear uh, in most applications. So I always like to mention that when you're talking about the world of rental. But to get to your current question about the UV 400, Sunbelt has, I like to say, it's a great advantage in the marketplace where we own a manufacturing company. And we are able to very much in real time design, build, vet out, test new units, in this case, in the world of indoor air quality. So uh, right at the beginning of the, uh, the event last year, one of the things that got dumped on my plate was the idea that, hey, can we produce our own scrubber and can we do it better than what's out there in the marketplace? And that's where we kind of came up with the idea of the UV 400. It incorporates a lot of the technology that's already been out there, right? We've got traditional HEPA filtration to offer that physical barrier. We've got UVC lights built into it. We stayed away from some of the ionization technologies for the reason you indicated with the possibility of ozone being produced. We really want to stick with those tried and true methods that we know work that are recommended by the experts in the field, such as ASHRAE, people like that. That machine incorporates not only those traditional methods of filtration, but it also incorporates some of the things we've talked about, right? It's got the CO2 meter built into it. It's got the particulate meter built into it, the humidistat built into it. And it all comes in one nice, easy to use machine that we can produce and get out there to the, uh, to the marketplace, specifically to our customers and say, hey, we've designed this thing because we're responding to your questions. We're responding to the ask from you. Believe it or not, we run across a lot of uh, government contracts for some reason that are very specific about their asks. They want to know, hey, is there an indicator on the machine that tells me when the HEPA is full? They want to know, um, are there auto starts and auto shutoffs on these machines, right? These are things that I hear every single day. And maybe a year or two ago, I had to say, well, you know, our, our gear doesn't have that. Now I can say, sure, I have a machine that does that simply because I listened to you last year and we built our own. That completely makes sense. And, and there's a couple of main things that I've kind of taken so far from our time today. One, if it's important, you have to measure it and find ways to measure it. Two, you've got to start preparing sooner than later. We had an issue early on with many school systems. Uh, when COVID started, they couldn't get masks and gloves. There was a shortage, right? We know that the, the federal government took a lot. Private industry took quite a bit. Other countries took a lot of product. 
in the same way with filters and with substrate, the materials that go into even the K95 masks, there are shortages around the globe with those and long lead times. So prepare now in advance, start doing your research now in advance. Another unintended consequence that we're going to see in the summer is that the people that are doing the work, the contractors are going to be in short supply. Many of them are having a hard time finding labor and everyone is going to be doing projects. And so there's going to be a shortage of those also. So another key is to make sure that you're finding those contractors now so that you're not trying to find one when it's too late and you get whatever's left over because nobody want to, wants to get left with whatever's left over. You know, David, I, I would add uh, one of the other exciting things, just hearing Kirk describe their philosophy and how they go about pivoting, getting products ready. And obviously we, we explain what the difference between renting and, and purchasing and the philosophy behind that. But then, you know, Kirk, you shared about your, your manufacturing facility and, and why that's a differentiator and, and what goes into that and what comes out of that. And some of the experts you listen to, you talk about ASHRAE, you talk about CDC in a previous conversation, just that, that, that guides, you know, some of what you guys put together. But I think for, for our listeners, I think we are, we are quick to jump on and build relationships with suppliers that, hey, if they have it, I'm in, let's just go buy it, right? And, and I get that because you need it. However, I, I would challenge and, and hopefully get our listeners to, to ask themselves, hey, What's the philosophy behind that supplier? How do they go about creating and bringing this product to, to the market and for us, right? And, and what goes into that? And once you start understanding that, I think you start realizing that, that some suppliers out there really do have a robust process, philosophy, and resources that go into what comes out for the benefit of you and your facilities and your crews. And I, I think that's an important uh, you know homework for all of us as a takeaway, because I I said, sitting here listening to Kirk, even I started thinking about, hey, have I ever thought about that whole philosophy of a supplier and what goes into, you know, their products and services and their their supply chain? And and I think that's important for all of us to ask ourselves, you know, what does that look like as I'm planning ahead for the future, right? It's a good point. The idea that somebody's been doing this for a relatively long period of time lends itself to at least tell me they're in it for the long haul. I would love to see a statistic of how many, uh, let's see, how many manufacturers of air quality gear there were February last year and how many, <laughs> how many are February this year. Um, I imagine that there has been an exponential jump in the, uh, in the growth of those individuals. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of good people out there. There's a lot of people doing good science, good testing, um, putting the time and effort into building a quality piece of equipment. Unfortunately, there are others. Uh, there are others that will 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 slap uh, <laughs> slap a, a few uh, few metal plates and run run an electrical charge across it and say, "Yep, I got a filter. Uh, this thing's the greatest thing since sliced bread." And I would simply advise any consumer out there, just like anything else, do your research, look at the testing, understand what you're purchasing, renting, thinking about as a solution, and just make a good decision. There is lots of information. The CDC does provide some good information. ASHRAE provides some good information. And of course, podcasts like this. There's three things that people ask. There's time, there's money, and there's quality. And you can't pick all three usually, right? You can't have cheap fast and excellent usually. So you get what you pay for. So really do your due diligence with what you need in your facility. 
one room might be different from another room or one building from another building. Even relative humidity can change within certain parts of the city. I live in Houston. It's always humid. It's just uh, one area is maybe a little less humid than the other. So in your facilities, really bring in experts, bring in the Kirks of the world to have them tell you what other facilities like that have done to help you measure this. Kirk, I'd like to give you in closing an opportunity from, from where you sit. What are some things that you wish people knew? What are some things that you find yourself often having to re-explain or educate? And we're, we're talking to educated people here. We're talking to facilities directors, to people that know what IAQ is and are working hard to continue to stay on the front lines of delivering great air quality to their people. What keeps you up at night? What do you wish uh, you could tell people if you had a bullhorn? Well, the good news is things are getting better. The technology is moving along. I think there is a, a wider education, a wider understanding of indoor air quality, and I think that's just going to increase. I think I'd probably touch back on some of the points that we've made here today. Pre-plan if you can. Think about what may happen, not just what is happening. The world of indoor air quality moves relatively quickly. Having some forethought will pay off in a big way. Uh, what's the old ounce of prevention versus the pound of cure? That definitely applies in indoor air quality. And then the second thing I would just simply say is, is do your research understand what you need. If you don't understand, then ask an expert or ask somebody who's in the business. Ask multiple people. None of us would, would simply accept a plague diagnosis or something detrimental without talking to another doctor. Doesn't mean that the first doctor didn't know what he's talking about. It's just a good idea to get a second opinion, get a broad array of, uh, of information. And then again, think about it as a customized solution for your facility for your space and understand that what worked next door may or may not work for you, but usually a very simple conversation, understanding the basics of indoor air quality and relying on the research or the facts at hand will take you a long way. Yes. Very dynamic. I really appreciate that. That is so true. As you bring in experts, those experts are there for a reason. And sometimes it's to deliver information and sometimes it's to sell a product. So absolutely get different bits of information from different people. Thanks again, Kirk. Amazing points and insight that you brought to our listeners today. And, and for all the teams uh, that are helping maintain, operate, or manage facilities uh, across universities all over the U.S., we thank you as well and hope that this uh, podcast was beneficial to you. We're grateful for you all spending some time with us. Uh, we learned a ton from you, Kirk. Thank you so much to Kirk and Sunbelt for allowing you to spend some time with us. Saul, as always, it's been a pleasure. Thanks again, David. Thank you for listening to Cooperatively Speaking from ENI. We'll see you on the next podcast. Visit our website at eandi.org slash podcast for resources from this episode. Check out other episodes of Cooperatively Speaking and subscribe so you never miss an update.